0: When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew, her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: All right, let's, yeah, thank you guys again. All right. It's awesome to hear to hear from you, and and I'll share briefly. I don't know if if um, if you've been here for quite some time, then you've you've seen us walk through different kind of Advent candle look lightings like that, and um, we want to broaden our understanding of uh, who and and what it means to be a part of the the family of God through faith in Jesus, and um, just again very candidly, I remember the first time I ever saw an Advent candle whiting, and as a kid from a very broken home, and um, I, I remember looking up at me like, that would never be our family. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't all match, and we're not all clean and perfect and neat, and, um, and, and that's why we've intentionally gone out of our way to, again, uh, even participate in, not just talk about, but the, the God's provision of Family and of community. So, thank you, you men, for, for sharing with us. Um, that was a, a, a huge blessing. Um, if you will go ahead and join me in Matthew chapter one, um, we're, we'll be in those verses that Isaac just read, verse eighteen through twenty-five. If you don't have a copy of God's Word and you um, and you would like one, please hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one. And if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift. To you. Um, so again, we this is our gift to you. And while you're turning there uh, to join me, I, I want to mention. Um, that we sent out an email yesterday afternoon um, to share that uh, Pastor Marcus um, tested positive for COVID uh, earlier last week. And um, he he's doing, it sounds like he's kind of turned a corner. He was feeling pretty crummy. Um, he, he said basically his experience, it felt like a terrible cold that had kind of an element of like heat to it, like fire. And um, he he said in his own words, he said, listen, um, if there's any way you can avoid hitting this, by all means do. And and he had been very careful and had done everything he you know thought he, he could to avoid avoid it. And so he still got it. Um, as I shared in the in the email, that when all of us who had any semblance of close contact with him have been test it a couple times and come back negative, thankfully. Um, but I also just want to acknowledge the the season that we're in, right? Just it, it's it's really hard and confusing to know, do I just have allergies? Do I have a cold? Do Is it the flu? Is it COVID? Everything is a symptom of COVID. And so, you know, it's just like, I don't know, could be this, could be that. And I just want to, again, acknowledge the awkwardness, the discomfort, the sadness. Some of us have lost Loved ones um, because of this, or lost loved ones during this season. And um, again, there's just a time for us to acknowledge. It's 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 sad and it's it's painful. It's not fun. It's not comfortable for any of us, for anyone, on any lo- lo- level. And I just want to again, even kind of pastorally encourage us: do what um, you can, and as the Lord leads you to what it looks like to love God and to love your na- neighbor. Um, you know, wash hands, whether it's a fist bump, a shake, a hug, wearing a mask, Not if you feel sick or symptoms, um, you know, whatever it might be, just thinking I'm not gonna, I don't wanna take a chance. I don't wanna get anyone else sick. So um, I just wanna put that out there again and invite us all into um, just this, this time of being as, as, as careful and as caring uh, as we can in every way. So um, with that, will, will you go ahead and join me in prayer? I'll pray for our time together in God's Word, as well as let's pray for the Doe family, and um, and, and then get into our time together in Matthew. Father, thank you for um, even some of the songs that we've sung, the t- testimonies that we've heard, that you are God, um, Lord, we are not. You know what you are doing in every moment, and, and we pray Pray that we would not presume upon your grace and your sovereignty, but that we will lean heavily into it and stand firmly on it. Lord, we pray for wisdom and compassion for us, every one of us in this room or at home. Um, Lord, for doctors, for people who are making dis- Um, Lord, we, we need your grace. We need you to intervene. And Lord, we pray right now specifically for the Doe family. Thank you so much for Pastor Marcus, for Annie who um, moved here around this time last year and who have um, really gone out of their way to make their home a place of warmth and, and hospitality to others who have moved toward people that are in isolation in different ways and they just live that out. And um, right now they're in a place where he is uh, removed from his fa- family. He's in isolation and in quarantine and any um is caring for all of their, their kids on her own. Lord, we pray that we can come alongside them um, and, and help in any way. And most specifically, we pray that, again, you will bring peace, that your presence will be known, uh, Lord, for the Doe family. And we certainly ask the same right now. As we are in your word, Lord, will you speak to us by your spirit? Amen. So uh, I had a little story I was going to share with you and a book that I've read and was going to share that with you, but uh, in the early hours this morning, I, I heard a quote that uh, I think is maybe a little uh, more in our face, but even a little more appropriate. Let me share this with you from uh, pastor, author, all-around great guy, Crawford Loritz, Dr. Crawford Loritz. This is what he said in an interview. The dastardly tendency here in the Western world is hyper individualism. We think everything focuses on us, including our Christianity. So we think Christianity is just about making me a better version of myself. Jesus is not just an additive to your life. He is to be the whole context of your life. He is to be your whole life. Uh, again, since I just got that this morning, sorry, I didn't have it up there on the screen. Um, it's, if you're interested in hearing that whole interview, it's incredible and powerful, and he's, he's hitting on something, right? There's an individualism that we're prone to, and, and we often miss the bigger picture of what's going on in the world around us or... In our next door neighbors, and other members of our family, we often, I would say naturally, uh, because of what the scriptures refer to as sin, we constantly look through the lens of how does this affect me and impact me, and then we judge and evaluate everything through that lens, including, that's how we engage with this Christmas story. Right? As we read through and we know some of the different characters, even those we've looked at or heard about this last few weeks Mary, Zachariah, Joseph, right the the shepherds, the the wise men, the little, little drummer boy, you know, then we just keep going, I don't know, mommy and santa inappropriately, right? <laughs> interacting and then we go into grandma who got ran over by a reindeer and it just we just keep adding. It's this kind of oh, there are all these different characters and members of the story and who's where and who's what. It doesn't really matter. We'll just kind of hear about them and 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 we'll just kind of engage in them and their different different stories. And as I said, that's our tendency to engage Christmas that way, to engage the Christmas story that way. I would even say to walk through the Christmas season right? Don't mess with me in my situation and what I've got going on. I don't want to hear about you. I just want to look through this lens, through this filter. And, and, and we've already heard some different stories about that, that we can tend to have kind of a, a, an individualistic selfishness. And so as we look at this story of Joseph, Uh, I think we, one, get a clear picture of one of the characters, one of the participants in the broader story of what God's doing. And we also get somewhat of a mirror or an example for what it might look like for you and I to engage our selfish individualistic tendencies and to submit them to the bigger picture, to God's story. If you're not new to redemption, this hopefully isn't the first time you're hearing this, but this whole scripture, the whole from beginning to end, this is one cohesive story that God is the author and the hero of. And every word on every page is telling his story. And, 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 And then every one of our lives fits into his story. But our tendency is to want to think, well, no, I've got my own story and I'm the main character and, and, and we miss out massively when that's the case. And as we look at this story, Joseph could have very easily missed out on being the key player in this story, this Christmas story that he got to be had he looked through an individualistic selfish lens. So as we walk through the story, Um, We're going to look at a couple things. With Joseph, who is he? Who is he not? And what is he all about? And as we look at that, I want to encourage every one of us in here right now. Okay, ask yourself as we read through, who am I? Who am I not? And what am I all about? With that, meet me in verse 18 as we pick up together. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So pause there for a moment. Um, Betrothed, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is a legal engagement. Right? You, would not, you could not just break up over text. You couldn't just kind of ask your friend to talk to her friend and say, it's not really working out, you know, let's kind of end this thing. No, if you entered into a betrothal, in order to break that, you had to do it in a formal, legal manner. And it says here um, that it was, right, that Joseph, before they came together... Uh, that doesn't mean like held hands or went on a date. That means before they had sex, she's all of a sudden now pregnant. So they're betrothed, they're legally committed to one another. Now, before they're married and before they have sex together, she now is with a child. Okay, we That's messy. Okay, that's awkward. That's difficult. Sometimes we kind of put this pedestal, this disconnected from everyday real life kind of approach to the scriptures, but it's okay and I think good and healthy to enter into the story and say, wow, that's really difficult. Joseph's in many ways kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So picking up in verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Quietly. So again, enter in here. Joseph, who is he? He's a good guy. He's kind. He doesn't want to put her to shame. There's tension here. Okay, there's a decision to be made. Let me just actually acknowledge this briefly. Um, By law, by Jewish law, um, Mary is supposed to be stoned, like not our kind of stone in 2021, but like stoned to death, killed with big heavy rocks, Because of this, and that's not necessarily specifically um, biblical law, but certainly in their practical law and the way they're navigating the 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 Levitical law that God had given in the Old Testament, what would happen there is um, I'm going to go tell the authorities, and they're going to take care of this. And and it was ugly and brutal. And Joseph didn't want that to happen, so he's torn. What do I do? Do I do I honor the law? of kind of common everyday life here, what are, what's everyone going to think of me, all these things, or do I um, kind of look the other way, pretend it didn't happen, what, what do we do? He's torn. He has to make a decision. Okay, again, put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Um, author and pastor John Piper says this about what's going on right here. There is an encouraging lesson to draw from this story. Is it up here? Do we have the quote? This one we did get. Thank you guys for putting it up there. There's an encouraging lesson to draw from this story. Joseph made the best decision regarding Mary that he could. Right? He agonized over. Picture again. He's struggling over this. He potentially fasted and prayed and sought wise counsel. He made the best decision regarding Mary that he could. It turned out to be the wrong one, but God, full of mercy, intervened. He gently corrected Joseph and gave him the guidance he needed. God does not spare us from all awkward and painful decisions. Neither does he spare us from all wrong decisions resulting from our fallen finiteness, even if they are made in the integrity of our hearts. God has his purposes in all of these, but what we can trust him to do is faithfully give us the correction and guidance we need at the time he deems right. A lot of us in this room will have or currently have massive decisions that we need to make, right? What do I do with this? This looks like a good decision. This looks like a good decision. That looks like a good decision. What's the right one? And we often expect, you know, God to just pull back the curtain or show up as a genie or whatever, as a cricket, right? Pinocchio, I don't know, and just tell us, like, do this. Here it is, there it is, go do it, easy, right? Oh, and if I'm not hearing so clearly, I must, something must be wrong with me, I must be, you know, I need to go and, you know, I don't know, stand up, sit down, turn around, pat your head, you know, rub your belly, do something right, what's the magic formula, and then I'll hear clearly from God, well, sometimes... In his goodness, in his wisdom, he allows us to stumble through the process. So in that moment, who is Joseph? As we said, he's a normal guy. He's trying to do the best he can. He's blue collar. He's a carpenter. He's working hard. He's trying to love someone else, and he's sinned against he, in his mind, and he's like, What's, this didn't work out the way I planned. He's doing the best he can. He's honest. He has integrity. But he's also human. He's not God. He's dependent and imperfect. So Joseph did the best he could to be faithful, but he still needed God's intervention. Right, look in verse 20, so we continue to walk through this story together. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Who is Joseph, right? Probably like many of us in this room, he has a plan for his life, he has a vision of his life. He's told, though, right here that this woman who he's about to marry is carrying a child in a supernatural way, conceived by the Holy Spirit. In God's infinite wisdom, he knows that the Messiah, the Savior of his people, of all people who will trust in Christ, you and me, everyone in this room, to have reconciliation with God, We need a perfect sacrifice. The only way that can happen is if Jesus is conceived by God himself. Conceived of by the Holy Spirit. Again, this is is crazy. So Joseph probably had a plan, oh, one day I'll have kids, Hopefully I have a son or two and that day he would thought of because then I can carry on my craft as a carpenter. I can train my son to be a carpenter. I'll have daughters who I'll love and I'll, 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 I'll marry off and we'll grow our family through that kind of process just like everyone else does. And then all of a sudden he's in this place and he's told, you're going to be a stepdad to God. <laughs> Uh, didn't really have that in my ten-year plan, right? When when I sat down and journaled and wrote out a list of things I expected my future spouse to have, um, some of these things didn't fit into it. Doesn't really line up with my plan, God. But again, look at so you see Joseph's very normal process, but also look at God's infinite wisdom, right? What does the angel say to him, Joseph, son of David? So there was a promise made to King David over a thousand years before this happened in 2 Samuel chapter seven that one of his children, someone from his line would sit on a throne that would last forever. Well, the fact that Joseph is legally Jesus's dad, even as his stepdad from the house of David, Jesus now is born into the house of David, right? And even the fact that he's born in Bethlehem, that's the city of David. It's God in his wisdom is working all these things out that, that, and yet Joseph again is the stepfather. And so God in his wisdom is saying, listen, Joseph, you're a, you're a key character in my story, but you're not the main character the son that Mary is carrying, you are still going to raise up in your home. You're still going to teach him the craft of carpentry. You're going to come alongside him, and also one day you're going to worship him. And he is your savior. He is your hope, and he's the hope of the world because he is fully God. But then continue on as we see this angel explaining. He says, Behold, the virgin... Shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, that's um, quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Emmanuel means God with us, God in the flesh, God con carne. Honestly, it's like literally the understanding of that word is God in the flesh. Jesus, fully God, conceived of. By through the Holy Spirit, and yet also fully man, born of woman, carried and, and 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 carried by Mary and then given birth to. Let's just acknowledge none of us would draw that plan up that way. All right? That that's not the way we would go about things. But God in his infinite wisdom is supernaturally carrying out his plan through seemingly natural, ordinary ways. He's always at work, even when we don't know it, right? We've sung this song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God always fulfills his promises. Um, let me see where I'm at here. Let me share um, more from this little black book of mine, It's is my journal. And, um, and other things, notes this, I was overwhelmed with this reality this morning. And can you enter into just the messiness of God working sovereignty in and through broken, sinful people? It's, it's not the way it should be. Sin has permeated our world, and God never authors it. But he also, hear me, never wastes it. As I was reflecting on that, I was overwhelmed earlier this week. The song, which we sometimes sing here, um, Break Every Chain, is on right now. And I do love this song so much. I pray you do this for Joe. That's my older brother who's in rehab for a year. Please keep my kids free from any and every kind of bondage to sin. And keep me seeing clearly, fleeing from all temptation. The battle is real. Amen. Amen. You have already broken the chains of addiction for Mark and Ann. This is some of my family members, my older brother and um, sister-in-law who died tragically from an overdose. As sudden and tragic as their deaths were, you are able to use even death to bring about your good plans. Your son and your daughter had battled long enough and you saw fit to bring to completion in that moment the good work you began around 1985 in El Cajon, California when they put their trust in you. You are wise and good beyond comprehension. And it's messy. Did God make them overdose on drugs in order to call, call them home? Is that? No. The, and is God sovereignly working through all things? When Jesus um, brings to fruition a good work that he began, Did did that include people who loved and followed Jesus and also died from drug use? Yes. How do I make sense of that? I think worship and surrender and acknowledging it's messy. God is always working supernaturally, often through seemingly natural and broken ways. And as we look at Joseph, we see such a helpful picture of this through the normalcy of his faith. Okay, pick up in verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him he took his wife, so he married her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Who is Joseph? He's obedient. He obeyed. He did as he was told. Did it make sense? I don't think so. Was it just clear and obvious? Did all the dots connect? Oh, this is what you should do, right? Conventional wisdom. Hear me, church. Never let conventional wisdom get in the way of following and obeying God. Does that mean we should just be flippant and emotional and just whatever, as the winds blow, we make our... Di- no, yes, there's wisdom in asking and seeking and praying and fasting and fighting and wise counsel. But as the Spirit makes it clear, at some point, when God leads us and calls us, sometimes it won't make sense. And sometimes he still calls us to obey him and to trust him. Even when we don't see it, he's working. All right, I know sometimes Pastor Marcus says, like, am I on your couch? Am I on your block? I don't know what. I mean, I think this sermon, we're just, I'm kind of coming in your back door and just going through your fridge already. And all right, I know it's it's but but church, I, it's, it's, it's a facade to think that. Jesus can be an additive to our lives. It will always constantly leave us frustrated, embittered, angry, confused. But surrendering to the messy, but good and powerful and hope-filled life that God calls us into is the only way I know. It's the only way we as a church know. It's messy, right? What did, who, who is Joseph? He's obedient. Who is he not? He's not entitled. He's not selfish. He's not bitter, right? Verse 25 tells us. Let me just again connect the dots there, right? So he took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, so they got married, but they didn't have sex until she gave birth to Jesus. Okay, you can imagine wanting to demand your rights. Well, we're married, right? We've held out. We did this. We're married. Like, uh, I, I think some of us are tempted to justify all kinds of things, right? If anyone had, had reason to, it would be Joseph and Mary in this moment. But they remained obedient. They remained faithful. And w- what are they all about? loving God and loving his people. As we close, Jesus simply says what it means to participate in his kingdom, what it means to know him, to follow him, to live the life that he's come to usher in, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Church, what will it look like for us individually and corporately going forward to always look through that lens? When we're tempted to look through the individualistic, selfish lens, whatever it might be, in any subject it might be, what would it look like to be a holy, separate, set-apart people, not relying on conventional wisdom, demanding rights and saying, no, this is what it should, no, this is what, but constantly looking through the lens of What does it look like to love God because he first loved me? And in response to that, what does it look like to love my neighbor? So again, I want to ask you as we close, who are you? Some of you might not have great things to say about yourself. So I would invite you to ask, who does God say you are? Beloved, worth dying for, eternally significant, not the main character, but with eternally purpose-filled value as a participant in his story. Who are you not? Whatever the accusations that you pile on yourself, that others pile on you, that the enemy whispers in your ear, can submit those things to who God says you are. And what are you all about? Will Will we be all about loving God, loving our neighbor, entering into As a church, this messy, sometimes fear-filled life, but full of hope, following Jesus, participating in his incredible, beautiful, true story of making all things new. Let's pray. Again, Father, we need you. And we love you. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will lead us to respond appropriately. I don't know where everyone in here is coming from, but Lord, you do. Lord, will you speak to our hearts? Will you shape us as a community? Lord, will you lead us to follow you, Jesus, for you and your lordship and your work to be the entire context of our lives? Lord, not an additive, not squeezing you in wherever you fit to bring about our agendas and goals, but Lord, we right now come before you, submitting to you, responding to you, worshiping you. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.